This is the Pathways to Greatness podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Forrester. Many of you that follow me on social media have probably seen me say something about Highlight Coaching and Consulting. So what is that? So what we do at Highlight is we focus on teaching teens and young adults, and that's 18 to 35, valuable life skills that we wish we would have known. You know, I often ask the question, you've heard me ask it on some of these episodes of, if you could go back in time to high school and give yourself three pieces of advice, what would it be? It was actually an episode that I had not that long ago. Well, these pieces of advice is what motivated and inspired Jessica to create the ETA program to be able to pour back into teens and young adults because if we can equip them now in things that will help them make better decisions, not only through their high school years, their college years, but these are things that are going to stay with them forever. So if you're a parent listening to this and you have a teen or young adult, or if you happen to be a teen or young adult and you're listening to this as well, is the investment that you make today will pay massive dividends in the future. So these courses aren't free, um, these programs aren't free, but they're very, very worth it, if you ask me, because it's something that I know that I've just had to figure out. And so if I can help shorten the learning curve from 35 to 40 years down to just a few years, how can you put a value on that? Anyways, check it out. There's a link in the bio, not the bio, and then show notes um, for highlightcoaching.com. I encourage you to go there, check it out, reach out with questions, and let's have a conversation. Thanks. Here's the episode. I tell you what, you. I just want to make sure you guys understand that you never underestimate, you should never underestimate the potential that a simple post could make. And um, today's guest is Lapora Lindsay, and I was connected to her through um, Phil, who I had on several episodes ago. And it all started from me reaching out wanting to help veterans. And he immediately connected me with her. We had a couple of conversations um, I've followed her on LinkedIn for a while now, and <clears throat> when I started this podcast, she was one of the ones that I really wanted to connect with, and she's had a lot of stuff going on and been very busy in her own right, so we finally made it happen, and it did not disappoint. There is so much wisdom and guidance and tactical things that each of you can do as soon as, as you're listening to the episode and when you're done, and so a couple things that really jumped out is... The, the challenges of surface level comparison. And then she also gives some of the key points of how to have effective comparison. And I had never thought about it that way. So again, there's so much stuff, stuff. There's so, so many great things in this episode that Lapora shares that you're going to want to listen to it again. And most importantly, or more importantly, I really would encourage each of you to go out and buy her book and it's Bottom of the Food Chain, A Fresh Perspective on How Career Impact Goes Beyond Your Job Title. You can get it anywhere, but please go to the show notes, connect with her and follow her along. And better yet, check out the episode next. 
and then I'll go ahead and have to apologize. My cat or my wife's cat is sitting right here, <laughs> Nemo, and he rubs on everything. Oh, so if I and hear so, some noise. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other problem is the screen that I have is a touch screen. So earlier today, he's rubbing on it and everything started sliding around. So if you see a cat walk by or you uh, see yep. him moving things to the side, I'm trying to keep him away from the screen, but he's so oh, sweet. I see. I, I saw just a little bit. He kind of yep. went down. His name, his name is Nemo. Nemo. He's fat. Hi, Nemo. Oh my goodness, he's so fat. I guess now's um, not a good time that I, I saw a restaurant and it was called Frying Nemo. <laughs> Must have been a fish restaurant, I hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think that's kid friendly, but um, you know, that's a that's a great name. I wonder what Disney thinks about that. <laughs> I got Disney around the over my shoulder, so they might be listening in. So don't say where it was at. <laughs> Okay, I won't I won't give up the location. Yeah, no. Well, Lapora, thank you for hopping on. And I know, you know, Phil connected us before and we, you know, had a couple of exchanges and um, we hopped on the phone. I actually hopped on a Zoom one time before. And yeah, I've been wanting to have do this and record with you since I started this back in January. So I'll give you a little insight to what the podcast is. Um, so the name of the podcast is Pathways to Greatness. And the whole purpose, one, I denied myself from doing this for a long time. Everybody kept mm. telling me to do it. Do it. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. There's like 5 million podcasts on the planet. Right. But then at the end of last year, I just, it was an overwhelming feeling. It's like, okay, do it. And so mm. the reason why I do it is 100% not self-serving whatsoever is I want to bring people on like yourself to share stories, tips, tactics, practical advice to help other people on their pathway to greatness, because everybody has a different definition mm -hmm. and pathways to greatness are not linear. As you well know, right. there's ups and downs and twists and turns and all those type things. And I know that you'll have a ton to be able to share, but before we get into that and we get into the meat of the conversation, I like to start things out fun. All you right. Ready? I love fun. Yes. Okay. So it, I like to play, would you rather? Oh, my kids love this game. I'm really good at it. <laughs> okay, well, good. Um, so would you rather freeze time or go back in time? Mm. I feel like I cheated because I listened to some of your other episodes on podcasts. That's okay. <laughs> That's called preparation. <laughs> That's not cheating. <laughs> and thank um, you for the downloads and the listens, by the way. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, would, I would say freeze time. And I think it's because I've been watching too many movies, honestly. Um, where when people like, when they go back in time, they, they completely change the course of, of history. They change who they are because you're not going to be the same person. Like one little thing can change everything. So I'd much rather freeze time, freeze everybody else. I get stuff done. And then, you know, I got more than 24 hours in a day and everybody else is tired and got nothing done. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's what I never thought about it that way. That's one way to get more than 24 hours in a day. <laughs> Okay, the next one. Would you rather live without music or TV? TV. Yeah, hmm. for sure. Um, I love music, all different types of music. And um, I feel like whatever I've, even though I watch a lot of documentaries, which I really love, I feel like 
just I would pull out a book in place of <laughs> in place of the documentaries, go to the autobiography or the biography section or the historical section and just read it there. But I, I gotta have the music. <laughs> yeah. What do you like to listen to? Oh my gosh, everything. Really, truly everything. Um hip hop, jazz. I think jazz is is at the top, like big band, swing, alternative, gospel, like contemporary, like it any and everything, seriously. <laughs> Anything that gets you tapping your foot. Yeah, yeah, really. And when I'm working either there's complete silence that I like to work in or jazz music and it can't be any singing because if it's singing then I'm going to be typing what I'm singing and it's just not a good situation there but just like like the look at me I'm already snapping but like there you go. <laughs> like the like the French cafe jazz um or just like the old school big band swing but no singing yeah that's at the top did you listen Afro to music soon. when you were writing your book I did I did. Um, I loved it. And I listen to music when I cook. Typically, it's like Afro beats that I listen to when I cook. Um, because I, I realized that I used to get really stressed out. Um, like I was always so tense when I was in the kitchen cooking. I was like, why am I so tense? But as soon as I started like cooking with music, like the food tastes better. Um, and I feel better. And I realized that I actually enjoy it. But I was just putting so much pressure on myself for for who knows what to to get it done but the the music really just calms me and that's such a good example so thank you for sharing that because you said we put like unneeded or unwanted or unwarranted stress on ourselves you were just cooking and you yes. were stressing yourself out <laughs> yeah that's crazy right like it's like nobody was asking me to like stress myself out over it but um I guess there's some things there that I need to <laughs> to work through but in the meantime <laughs> The, the music has been extremely helpful with just keeping me calm and honestly keeping me in the moment of focusing in on like the different seasonings and the smells. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain, but I absolutely enjoy it. Do you have a particular type of food or um, not genre of food? I can't think of the name, but anyways, it's yeah. certain type of food that you like to cook. It evolves all the time. Right now, I'm really into Indian. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I usually I'll just, I'd rather go out and, and, and eat it authentic because it tastes better. <laughs> but uh, Indian right now, uh, Caribbean is a close second. So, yeah. <laughs> so you like flavor. There's nothing bland in your house. <laughs> no, like we're, we're slowly, we're slowly adding the the spices so that the kids get used to the heat. Like we're just like, I make a lot of a uh, fried rice and I started putting like jerk into the fried rice, which is really good. I don't know Ooh. if you do fried rice, but put a little jerk in there and the kids don't even notice. And then like, whenever we have jerk chicken, they're just like, huh, surprisingly, this isn't as spicy. And I'm like, cause you've been eating it. <laughs> <laughs> Mom has them all figured out. We just did a, right. a, an Instapot meal and we put, it's like just rice and chicken, but we put riced cauliflower in it. And oh. um, my daughter was like, oh, and she's picky. He's like, oh, this is so good. So we waited to the very end and you could tell it was just like we had completely spoiled everything because she's like, fine, next time you make it, I'm not eating it because now I know there's cauliflower <laughs> in it. I'm like, but you liked it. You had two bowls full. 
So we'll oh. see if she can do that again. Next time, I'm just not going to tell her. Just keep putting cauliflower in. It. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's rice. Cauliflower. Don't tell the cauliflower part, but, you know, it's rice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just rice and chicken. Okay. So this goes to a little bit of how you answer that last question. Yeah. Would you rather read an actual book or listen to an audio book? Can I do both? Is that possible? <laughs> this is your show right now. So, yes, you can do whatever you'd like. Yeah, because I um I'm heavily in learning and development. And so if for me, like reading the book helps sometimes, listening helps sometimes. Honestly, it just depends on what mode I'm in. But if I can do both, mm -hmm. then it's gonna be awesome and I can retain the information. I am just that because if I can't like uh, I'm a kinesthetic learner, right? But if I can't like listen and learn, like listen and read at the same time, then I would much rather uh complete the action, which from reading the book, I don't know how to <laughs> do it anyway. So a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I've done that on several books, listening while I'm reading it and mm -hmm. it does, it just reinforces it so much better. Absolutely. Okay. Um, the last one is a fun one. It's since you're a foodie for sure. Would you rather have pizza or tacos? Tacos. Ooh, that was fast. <laughs> Tacos, tacos, tacos. <laughs> and not that I dislike pizza. Um, but I don't know. There's just so much you can do with a taco. Like you, I mean, I guess pizza too, but for some reason I'm more picky about what goes on the pizza. But for tacos, you tell me that something goes in there. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll try it. <laughs> now, what won't you eat on pizza? I'm I'm super picky. Um I'm not any, eating any type of seafood. I'm not eating any type of um, fruit, unless you count tomatoes. Some people, I know they go back and forth from that. I'm not eating any type of potatoes, rice, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very limited veggies. I don't know. It's it's really limited, extremely. Usually I'll just go for a pepperoni. I'll keep it really basic, but Hungry Howie's is my favorite pizza spot and they have like a veggie pizza that is so delicious, but there, there isn't one nearby. So I can't even recall what goes on it, but just about no other piece that can touch that one, but that's just me. <laughs> For Hungry Howie's, did you get the flavored crust? I don't know. I feel like their crust is always flavored. So maybe well, I have did. like specific ones that you can pick. Oh, do you have a Hungry Howie's nearby you? Please don't tell me you do. Uh, there's a be bunch so being in Orlando, they're everywhere, but there's not no. deliver here specifically, but when oh. I grew up in Gainesville, Florida, and that was like the main one when we were in college. Oh like, my gosh. You just eat there. And then here's, this is a blast from my past. So there was a, <laughs> a Blockbuster video mm -hmm. and then right next to Blockbuster was the Hungry Howie's. Oh, it's so perfect. You'd go get your movie. Or actually, you'd go order your pizza and then you'd mm -hmm. go pick out your movie and you'd go back and pick up your pizza and you'd go home and put the, the DVD or VHS in the, the player and rock and roll that sounds like a great time <laughs> it's time to watch romancing the stone <laughs> i aged myself quite a bit on that one <laughs> but that's okay that's fine yeah okay well good well thank you for that i i like doing that because it a it warms everybody up and b it gets me and the audience to know you a little bit more than than what you're going to share today so everybody this is lapora Lindsay. she is a military spouse coach, speaker, trainer, author of Bottom of the Food Chain, A Fresh Perspective on How Career Impact Goes Beyond Your Job Title.
Yes. That's a mouthful, but that's okay because it really, it tells you exactly what you're going to get when you read the book. And what I'd love to do today is first, I want to ask you, what is your definition of greatness? Hmm. My definition of greatness is really starting, um, trying, um, and doing your best, honestly. And, and that, so that can, that can change at, at any time and place. Um, I mean, case in point, like when you look at like how a kid tries, like, and they're trying their best, they're doing great. Right. And it's because they're, they're putting forth an effort. And so when you look at like people in their careers or education, like college, whatever the case may be, if you're trying and you're putting forth your best, like what else, what else is there to do? Um, so I, I mark that as the definition of, of greatness. Sure. And, and that's a great example. And what, when you said that, I immediately thought is why isn't that enough nowadays? Social media, probably. <laughs> but, and the reason why I, I go straight to social media and it's not even social media. I just feel like, um, right now our world is much smaller than what it has been in the past. And so because of that, people often do a lot of surface level comparisons. And so I'm gonna clarify real quick why I call it surface level comparison. I personally don't believe that there's anything wrong with comparison. Um, I think that the issue that a lot of times we face is when it's just surface level. So what we see on the forefront, we don't dig any deeper. It's just seeing people like a picture posted, oh my gosh, I want to, I want that lifestyle. Oh my gosh, I really wish I had that job. I'm not doing enough in order to get there. It, you don't know what they're doing <laughs> because, and here's the thing while I'm not against it, regardless of what that sign says behind me, <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the thing. When you look at like people who are in business, um, like marketers or whatever, they're doing research and development. And, and what is that research and development? It is when you look at your competitors, when you look at your peers and you figure out what it is that they're doing that's working for them and you figure out how can you possibly do something similar or possibly do something to differentiate yourself from it. We, and I, I wish I would have remembered the name of the, the psychologist, but there is a um, there's a psychologist who, um, or, or who, who did, he basically uh, stated that as human beings, we can't get away from comparison. It's natural. And when you think about it, every standard is based on comparison as far as what is an average height, what is being tall, what is being short, what is being uh, beautiful, what is being smart, what is being intelligent. It's all based on a standard and that standard comes from comparison. So similar to the way when someone is feeling negative, when we say, oh, don't, don't think negative, And you, you start wanting to think it's negative more because you hear it. So when we hear don't compare, we say, okay, well, I'm not going to compare, but naturally we do. And so instead of that, I believe that we should learn how to effectively compare, um, where we go beyond the, the, the surface level. And I'm sorry, I feel like I got off track a little bit, nope, but you did um... not keep going, <laughs> keep going. Um, but that's why I, I believe that our world is getting a lot smaller because we always have access to it. And because we are constantly overloaded with all that information so quickly, 
we don't really give ourselves the time to digest what it like digest the information that we're receiving and so we 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 tend to stick to to stay to that surface level comparison versus going down a little bit deeper because by the time we get there we're getting you know inundated with so much more well you know what's amazing what's amazing about that and i want people to to really hear how you differentiated everything is that we're talking about trying and for me, comparison will freeze you from trying and failing because you feel like you have to do it as well as someone else or be far, as far along as them. And like you said, it starts in school with testing mm-hmm. right. and, and where we're constantly discouraged from trying or I, I made a post the other day of asking why of because I might not be able to answer the question. So you're going to put me in a weird spot if you ask me why and I can't answer it. And so um, do you also feel, because I know that you work in, in the professional setting with careers and those type things, is would you say that the people that you work with, are they afraid to try something new or try something that they're not, they, they don't feel super confident in? Yeah, absolutely. Because they, they are looking at, all right, I'm going to fail. And typically how do we base how we fail is only what we see on the, on the surface. So if, if somebody, um, let's say somebody tries something and because they tried it, they lost, let's say $50,000. The only thing that we may hear about is that they lost the $50,000 and we're like, Ooh, I don't want to try. I don't want to lose that $50,000. But the part or the information that we're missing, perhaps, is that even though that person lost the $50,000, they gained down the road $200,000, right? And so that's a, a profit of like one hundred and fifty. And so I think that we, when we don't educate ourselves fully on what it means, what that cost is going to be for us specifically, then yes. There is going to be fear there because fear typically comes from the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we're able to educate ourselves, I think that, and we're able to afford whatever that cost, whether it's the time, uh, the sacrifice, and we're able, so when we're able to afford that, then I think that that is when um, we're, we become less afraid in the choices that we make in our careers and the, the risks that we're willing to take. Right. And you said a second ago, about effective comparison and the importance of learning how to do that. Please share. Cause that, <laughs> you know, I was talking to a group of young men today and I use the quote that most of us know is comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And I've, I've withheld joy for so much of my life because of that paralyzing thought of comparison. So I know I could learn something about effective comparison. Yeah. So one of the things to really to to really think about when it comes to effective comparison is that we're not gonna we're not gonna know if we don't ask any questions. So the way I like to think about it is that there are layers between what you see and between what you really know. And so the first thing that I recommend, and I think Jeff, you would uh, agree with this as well, because I 
haven't read your book yet, but I read about your book. And I think one of the things that we both agree on is that one of the first steps that any individual needs to do is we need to have some self-awareness or being able Mm -hmm. to identify what we need for, um, what we need for ourselves. And so when you're faced with a situation where you feel like, okay, um, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm comparing here. That's okay. First of all, recognize that, like, and then think about what, what is it that you are comparing? Um, what particular about this situation? So let's be a little bit more specific. And let's say, cause this one, I hear a lot when people are in their careers and they're looking at other people and they're feeling like, they are not far enough. So let's say you feel like you're not far enough in your career, given the amount of experience that you have, given your age, I'm just not, the thoughts is I'm not far enough. Okay, so who are you comparing yourself to, right? So being able to identify that, number one, that you you are comparing, but then asking, you know, who am I comparing myself to? But then taking the time to do some research, choose one person. I recommend choosing one person that you're comparing yourself to. Do some research. The internet is really helpful <laughs> for doing some quick research. And one of those things being how long have they been in the industry for? Mm. Uh, and then take a look at some of the things that they're doing. If you're able to set up a meeting with them, schedule some time, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and figure out these three questions as far as what has worked for them, uh, what is something that has benefited them, and then how can that, or I'm sorry, you're only asking them two questions. What has worked for them and what has not worked for them? And then that third question is for you to answer as far as how can you differentiate yourself from that situation or from that particular person? Um, Because essentially what that's going to do is that's going to allow you to figure out what this person has done, what has been helpful. Um, You're going to be able to figure out those steps that they took, how that was beneficial to them. And now you're taking that information and you're using it to say, okay, so based on what I'm seeing here, this is how, this is what's going to work for me. So if somebody is further than you in your career, um, but you you determine that they have been networking, like as far as speaking to one or two people per week for the past 10 years, and you haven't done that yet, that's something to consider. If they have an extensive uh, degree That's something to consider. If perhaps they got a job, uh, got their start in a job simply due to luck, that is also something to consider. And what I mean by luck is they ran into someone who had an opportunity and they were prepared in order to take that opportunity. Um, So really just being able to first identify it um, and then do some research. Those are the two primary steps. And then within those steps, I'm just summarizing everything within those steps. If you can speak to that person directly, and figure out what they have done, which has been beneficial to them and what has worked for them, figure that out and then figure out how can you differentiate what you've what you've gathered from that person and to be able to utilize that within within your scope of, of access because everyone is different in what they're able to access. That, I mean, it's, it's so good. So just to summarize is, uh, you know, asking questions is always important. Self-awareness mm-hmm. is important. And then... I really like this and I haven't, I guess I've done it, but not officially the way you have described it is choosing one person to research and then ask them what has worked, what has not worked and where the benefits have been. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Did I get yes, those right? absolutely. Absolutely. And what's and great. 
Go ahead. No, I was going to. Oh, I was saying it's in its comparison, right? It's that mm-hmm. comparison research. It's research and development. And that's the thing. If you want to call it research and development, comparative analysis, like whatever you want to do that. Um, but I, I I think that we do sometimes we we hold ourselves back because, like I said, we, we're not really educating ourselves on it. And I'll, I will be the first to say that for the longest time, I was only doing surface level comparison and always feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be to that point. But then when I started researching, as in talking to, like identifying somebody, talking to them, figuring out that, oh my gosh, they've actually been aiming for this particular goal for the past 10 years. And I literally just started like, (laughs) so that gives me a little bit of grace for myself and recognizing that on the surface, it looks like we're the same, (laughs) but our paths are very different at this time. So if I want to get there, what is accessible to me in order to be able to get there has been so helpful with me understanding that it's going to take me a little bit longer to get to those places in my life, but I'm okay with that because I recognize that the people that I aspire to um, that, or that inspire me and that I aspire to follow a similar path of that they've been working on it for 10 plus years. A lot of them, I'm like, okay, (laughs) we're good. (laughs) It's like, chill out. All right. (laughs) Yes. It's like simmer down. Let's just get this (laughs) figured out. And when you were talking is you approach comparison with a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And mm-hmm. for those who know me, that those are two big buzzwords as the first is that comparison that creates excuses, limiting beliefs. Your approach is that growth approach where it's like, look, I admire that person. I like where they're at. I would like to be where they're at. Now, how did they get there? Exactly. And it completely changes. And I've tried to reprogram the words that I say is if I see someone with a, a huge house that maybe is younger than me or a really nice car, and I'm not into cars, but you see something that you know is an expensive car, mm-hmm. instead of saying, man, I wish I had that, or that guy's lucky. It's I'm trying to teach my kids by reinforcing is like, I wonder what they do or did to be able to get that car. Yes. We all have it in our hands if we're willing to work for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause that's the, that's the cost of what we do. Like for anything, I don't, I don't know besides, um, I'm sure there's some other things besides time and time could be the, the time of anything, like losing time with, with family, losing time with friends, and then the sacrifice, maybe money investment, like for anything that we want is going to cost each of us something. And that cost is going to be different depending on what our current situation is. So it's not going to be the same, but if we are willing to pay that, whatever that is for us, then yes, there that possibility is going to be there. Life is going to happen, right? But there's still that possibility that you can reach that, that point in your life, but you have to be willing to pay. And a lot of people aren't, which is okay. You don't have to, but you have to be willing, not even just willing to, but you have to start, you know, making those payments, <laughs> like that that time payment, that sacrificial payment in order to be able to get to that end point that you desire. And what's great with the example and those tactics you just shared is with social media that exists today, you can find the uber successful people and they're probably going to tell you a lot of the things that they did to get where they were at. You could take that 10 years example that you shared and cut it to mm-hmm. five. If you're like, okay, 
I don't know you. I don't have to sit down and physically ask you these questions, but I can mm -hmm. ask myself these questions while I'm scrolling through their content. Because all, all, all those people, whether they're selling a course or doing something else, they're going to provide value. Gary Vanderchuk's a perfect example of just putting things out there. It's like value, value, value. And then you value him so much. You're like, okay, if he's going to have a speaking engagement, I got to pay 200 bucks for, I'm going to go listen because I know I'm going to get the value that I'm looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you, you mentioned just one person, because that's the thing as well, is that there are so many different examples of who we could aspire to be or be inspired by, but it, it can get really confusing <laughs> if we have all of these different people, but if we just find one person and we, we, we hone in on them, we have laser focused on them, then we can really, like you said, learn so much about them by scrolling, looking at all of the different uh, events that they're a part of or the groups or associations and really be able to do our homework on that one person mm -hmm. versus having um, you know, a, a plethora of different people, which it can, it can send some really confusing signals to us. Like, oh, wait a minute, what am I supposed to be? Cause everybody takes a different path. Right. So just finding one person that you, that kind of inspires you, I think is helpful, or maybe even three, like you could do three, cause there's going to be different avenues, but just not giving yourself too many, because then you'll get, um, you get a little bit distracted. <laughs> I say that also yeah. from experience. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> Well, and it's true because like, I'm so eager to learn, you end up falling in that, that OODA loop trap of just learning and listening, learning and listening, learning and listening. And then I've used all of my time learning and listening that I'm not putting anything into action, which is what's going to move the ball forward and create progress. Yes, absolutely. Like there's, there's nothing wrong with, with learning, but if, if we're looking to, to grow, we, we do have to take some action at some point. Um, and what's the rule? It's the two days. If you don't use what you learn within two days, um, then it's, it starts to, I think by the first day, it like drops by 50% or something like that, if we're not using that skill. So go ahead and get out there and start using it. <laughs> Right. And, and don't feel like you have to be perfect. You know, your definition yes. is start trying just doing your best. And part of your best when you first learn something is just doing it, whatever it may be. Yes, absolutely. I'm preaching to myself right now. By the way, so. <laughs> um, so when we look at your book, bottom of the food chain, I really want to hear, and that was my main goal to have you on is to share some practical things that that you've seen, because we all want impact beyond just the job title, because the job title is not, not what I want on my tombstone one day. And that's where you have to extend out. So talk to us about what's in bottom of the food chain and some of the things that the audience can take from that. Yeah. So, um, Number one, thanks for giving me the opportunity to, to share about my book. I really do appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Um, so as far as like what is in it, it is a, I'll share this. It is a, a self-help career-based book. So it's not just business and it's not just um, inspiration. It's, it's a little bit of both. Um, and really focusing in on those individuals that are within organizational ecosystems, as I refer to them as uh, in the book, who one, either are in 
entry level to mid level roles where they don't necessarily have uh, authority within their position or individuals who feel that they are at the bottom of the food chain. Um, again, going back to that surface level comparison because of how they compare themselves to other people feeling like, well, they don't have any value that mm -hmm. they are able to offer. The steps that I take the readers through in the book or listeners, because I have an audiobook format as well, is going through that identification phase um, or sustainability is what I refer to it as. And then getting through the growth phase. So once you identify what skills that you are able to use, now being able to grow those skills, and you can do that through a, a plethora of different avenues, like nobody has to grow the same way, similar to how plants don't have to grow the same way. And then that final phase is the contribution or sharing. So figuring out how can you now that you've identified what you can do, and now that you have learned how to develop that skill set or skills, how do you now share that within the organization that you are in? Um, and in all, I think that it really ties into individual contribution, even though I really do believe in teamwork. Um, I believe that a team is made up of individuals and it's very important for each individual to be authentic and accountable for how they contribute to the team. Mm -hmm. There's not one person that can create and sustain any environment um, to where it's going if nobody else is also, <laughs> you know, taking their part in that accountability. And so throughout the book, I use nature's uh, analogy of the food chain, which is uh, the, the plants, the trees, like that's that's the, 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 the bottom of the food chain. I'm not talking about the bottom feeders because a lot of times people get those confused. So the <laughs> that bottom piece right there, as far as the plants, which typically goes unnoticed, like, like it's, we, we cut grass because it's a chore, not necessarily because we want to make it look beautiful. You know what I mean? Like all of these different things. But throughout the entire book, I use that analogy and I continue to tie that back into how we can we can take these cues and signals that we're getting from nature and utilize them in order to make the workplace uh, a better place, a better ecosystem, no matter what position that we hold. And again, it goes back to the same example that you shared earlier is growth mindset mm -hmm. is looking at your career, not what can I get out of it, but what can I put into it and then give to others. And Absolutely. so, you know, it sounds like that you highly recommend like genuine contribution, not because of how it's going to move you up the food chain, but how it's actually going to help others have that nutrition that they need for their career, for the workplace, and then also create fulfillment in that person's life. Is that correct? Absolutely. It is correct. And the reason why I wrote it was because I have never been in a position of, of official leadership capacity. And it's, and it's interesting because some of the, I, I don't mind um, like critical feedback. And one of the, the critics, I'll share this, they said, well, it sounds like, sounds like propaganda. Like somebody is, you know, saying you should read this book so you can be happy in your position. And, you know, you, you can't really respond because you don't want to, you, you want people to share their honest opinions. And I was like, oh, wow. I just, I, one thing I really want people to, to understand about the book is when I wrote this book, 
I was not a, a, an official leadership capacity. I'm still not in an official leadership capacity. And one of the things that I even state in the book is that you may not work your way up the food chain, that organizational food chain. Um, however, that does not impact the value that you are able to bring to the team. It is not tied to a position or status or salary or connections. It really is tied to um, the actions that you sh that you that you share, um, which can come back to you, right? There can be some. There are some benefits of when we when we share our skills. There are benefits that come to us, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the goal. Um, and it's something that we don't hear a lot of often. Uh, we hear a lot of, you know, you, you do this work so you can work your way up and which is not, there's nothing wrong with that either. But I felt like there needed to be, uh, more focus on you. Sometimes it really is just about being in the present and, and doing a great job and being impactful in your job because you can, because of who you are, whether or not. Uh, the result is in a promotion or in a salary increase. It, it really, and, and the reason why I believe that so much is because that is what I have done throughout my career. Um, not only am I all those things that you mentioned in the introduction, but I'm, I'm also an employee as well. Um, so I, I do both. And so I, I don't, I used to think that because I wasn't a supervisor, because I wasn't making a, a certain amount that there was something wrong with what I did. But now I'm like, oh, no, I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great. While you were talking, I, I started thinking, I'm trying to figure out the best way to, to phrase the question, but do you see a difference in influence and status? Does that make sense? Influence, like, like or, and or in, like I in? No, well, it, it, and, so that's my and, Southern... Okay. <laughs> um, where I'm going with that is, is that I feel like people confuse the two. So feeling like I can't yeah. influence without status. And that's, I couldn't figure out the best way to ask the question, but I know that when I've been in leadership positions, looking above me, there's always someone above you. Yeah. That's, I think that's the other thing people need to understand is yes, you can get elevated, but there's somebody above you and somebody below you. Always. Yes. I don't care if you're a CEO or the president of the United States, there's somebody in both places. Mm -hmm. um, so you're not that special when you get promoted. That's what I like. I had a boss tell me that I was like, you're not that special. I was like, oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> but it made sense because right. um, I feel like people diminish the influence that they could have because they don't have the status. So I would really enjoy to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you can have, um, which is why I said the uh, official authority, because you can have that unofficial authority, that influence uh, without that position or that role. Um, it, it, it requires, though, that self-awareness and you figuring out how you can best contribute. Um, so I'll use this as an example. Um, there was a, a colleague of mine who her grandmother was a housekeeper and um, she worked at a, a corporation. I, I don't remember the name. And if I did, I probably wouldn't share it, but <laughs> she worked at a corporation and she was illiterate. She couldn't read, she couldn't write, but she did a really good job with doing her job. And 
it got to the point where the company was growing and they were like, you know, they just overheard that, hey, or she overheard, I'm sorry, that they were looking to hire new people. And so she went back to her community and she was like, hey, you know, they're looking to hire new people, like for these roles and positions, let me know if you're interested, maybe I can pass your resume up. And so long story short, or short story shorter, um, she ended up kind of becoming that connector between um, recruiting from people from her community and matching them with people at the corporation that she worked with by making that introduction. This is somebody who can't read, can't write, but they are really good at identifying a business need and meeting that need in her own way. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of those things that it, the title isn't tied to it, but the influence is because they trusted her because of the job that she was doing. And it, it's, it's those types of things where I'm just like, wow, this is so amazing when we really wield our own authority within us and we allow that to guide the actions that we take. And, and to your point, I'll just throw this in here. Um, in chapter three of my book, yeah. <laughs> Ecosystems of, of Impact, I actually talk about the fact of depending on uh, what environment you're in or what structure you're in, you may, as you said, at some point find that you're not at the top of the food chain. <laughs> and so it does really open itself up to not just the entry level to mid-level, which was my primary uh, target demographic, but honestly, anyone, I've had uh, doctors to say that they read the book and they were like, yeah, because they're new in this particular field or because of the industry in which they work in, they feel like they are not at the top of their game, but now they're figuring out how can they, when they are in these these associations and these organizations with the other doctors, how can they be able to influence and make an impact? So it really is something that it doesn't matter where you are in your career. There is something in it that I believe is useful. Yeah. And it seems so many people suffer from imposter syndrome of, well, I have nothing to add. I can't add anything. And we're on the same page, completely disagree with that statement. I suffer from it. I think most people do. The 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 thing that it sounds like you want to encourage and I want to encourage people is to believe in your if you're new to the game and you're not as experienced as someone else, you're bringing a fresh perspective as well, which if you have a good leader, they want to hear that fresh perspective that's not carrying mm-hmm. the baggage with them. And that's why I love having conversations with my kids because it's a new, fresh, they don't care. They're not carrying all this baggage that I have that I've pulled along for the last 50 years. It's new, it's fresh. It's an easy, simple, basic question or observation. So how do you coach people in really embracing that newness of their career and being able to have that authentic participation? So actually what I'm, what I'm doing now is more so of uh, shifting into like the, the training and workshops. And here's how I, here's how I do it. Um, It was primarily focused on just the employees, but as you and I both know, whether you work with only the leaders of the teams or work with only the employees, somebody's missing the information. (laughs) (laughs) And so now what I do is I I work with both. Um, With with the employees, it really is going back to that accountability, that authenticity, figuring out 
how do you create impact? Like what, what is it that you have to bring to the table? What skills, what traits? So being able to do almost like a, a self-assessment, a self-discovery, being able to identify what those skills are. And then in those sessions, in those workshops, being able to walk them through how that uh, ties into the company's missions, the company's values, being able to understand that. Now, on the flip side or on the on the other side of that are the leaders and really being able to work with them and helping them to create a nurturing environment um, where you have employees who are now becoming uh, strong individual contributors, which is now growing the team. There's now that more engagement there. And then on that final piece, now that we have the perspective of the leaders and we have the perspective for the employees, how do we bring this together in a way that the team can go forward. Um, is there some resistance? Perhaps, uh, but really just getting them to see those different sides and being able to be open to the conversations because I think that that's a lot of time is it's what's lacking is that conversations are not being had as far mm -hmm. as I do contribute, this is how I contribute. And I do want, and as a leader, it's this is how I see you contributing to the overall mission, but also communicating that. And then the employee also communicating, this is how that I feel that I'm contributing to it. Um, I had a, I uh, was doing a, a workshop uh, about a month ago now, and that was one of the, the biggest questions that we kept uh, coming up was, there was that, I don't even want to say a clash, but I guess more so of a misunderstanding and how people were communicating. And it's because conversations weren't being had. They were more like monologues mm. and uh, <laughs> monologues aren't really, uh, they're not my thing. I don't know if there's much of anybody's thing, unless you're watching a play or a movie. <laughs> or stand-up comedian, right? <laughs> right. Other than that, I don't, I don't think that they work very well. <laughs> so how do you help leaders nurture and it's twofold because I'm thinking of not just in the workplace but as parents mm. we're in that same position right. to nurture that relationship so when when you answer I want people to listen with both lenses because you may be in a position where you're not the leader at work but you are a leader in your home so um, how do you help people learn how to nurture that relationship yeah so I will Actually, I'll use this one example because I think that this is perfect. Uh, one person had, um, he was from the, the the baby boomer generation and he was working with the Gen Z. So not necessarily parent-child, but it, it could be, you know, perhaps a parent-child uh, age-wise. Um, and so his thing was whenever he was providing feedback to the, I'll just call them the Gen Zers, to the Gen Zers, there wasn't a lot of uh, receptiveness to what was being said. And he he felt like he was trying to help them, you know, in order to provide it, but he said, they're not, they're not listening to me. And one of the questions that I asked after, you know, he shared that was, well, are you giving them the opportunity to, to share their insights? to share what, what's going on with them. So let's say, for instance, they're not performing well. And he would say, hey, you're not performing well. These are ways that you can improve. So instead, I said, well, try reframing it and ask them, how do they think that they are performing? Give them the opportunity to share their perspective. Because typically what happens is we say that something isn't working because of X, Y, Z. 
Somebody else believes that it is working because of X, Y, Z. But the only way we're going to know that is to ask and then let them talk. <laughs> Critical part. I hope everyone just heard that. Ask a question and be quiet. Right. Because, it, and then he, at that point, right, he was able to discover that, in fact, maybe it's not that they're not receptive, but that they don't feel heard. And so because of that, now they are shutting down because for them, it's just, this is what, this is, they were hearing, this is what we're doing wrong. And these are all the reasons why, but I'm trying, right? Cause that's what I believe. That's what makes greatness. I'm trying instead. It needs to be, you know, how do you feel like things are going? And if they, they share something, say, okay, so with that point, when it comes to time, let's talk a little bit, let's talk a little bit about that time. Like, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what I'm looking for and what you can provide because, what could be the standard for one person, it could be like way up to let's, let's say a hundred, that could be like what they consider the best. This other person, they're giving their best and they, be, they may be given what the other person thinks is a 23, but it's, it's a hundred to them because that's their best. But you're not gonna know that <laughs> unless you have that conversation and you allow them to express. And I say this, cause I, I use this in parenting too with my kids. like. And sometimes the feedback is is tough. Like it doesn't it doesn't just go one way. Like the feedback is tough when I allow my kids that opportunity to share. And I'm like, I just want to like <laughs> go to your room because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the parent, right? But it's it's just allowing them that space to express themselves um, respectfully, right? Um, but allowing that, but also getting into their brains and figuring out how they process information. Which I, I've been a kid like how long ago? Like, I don't remember how I processed information, but I get a little sneak peek when I allow them to answer those questions more open-ended versus this is my question. Give me the direct answer. Don't go veering off. And I think it presents yourself as a leader, again, whether it's in the home or in the workplace, Mm -hmm. like you said earlier is to be self-aware is, did I even set the right expectations to be able to be asking for a hundred? Maybe right. I set the expectations where they didn't know this is what I want. It's just what I want. I use an example in my book of go clean your room. <laughs> I used to do this all the time and I'd go up there. I'm like, you call this clean? And then we'd start working. <laughs> well, he was eight. Yes, he called that clean. <laughs> but I realized, again, after learning from someone else who was a parent further along is I had done a poor job setting the expectation. So there were, I, I pulled too much emotion in out of, I didn't at first realize I had failed, but then I realized that I had failed because like you said, he thought it was clean because Mm -hmm. I did a poor job setting that expectation. And I've seen almost every time I get frustrated as a leader, either in work or at home, it's because I did a poor job setting the expectation. And then we then went up there, we cleaned his room and we both stood back. I helped and participated, explained some of the why. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, we're both in agreement. This is my clean. Yes. He said, yes, sir. So now (laughs) it's, is your room clean? I think so. I go, buddy, that's a yes or no. He's 15 now. I'm like, that's a yes or no question. (laughs) And then he's like, okay, let me check. I'm like, that's the better response of I'm like, well, let me see. So he's he's starting to learn my daughter's yeah. mother's story. I won't go there. 
but I think we parent the same. Oh my goodness. But it's been helpful (laughs) because it removes me having to get fired up and frustrated. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps him not be frustrated because Mm -hmm. we both come to an agreement of this is where we want to be. Absolutely. Great example. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some other things? Because when I see the title of your book, it's on how career impact goes beyond your job title. And I really, and I, I, I know you want it, this as well. I want people to find greatness in their job mm. and I want them to see where they could be. So what would be something that you would want to leave the listeners with to ponder before they go buy your book? Oh, that's a great question. I guess the question, because there are a lot of questions that I have um, in the book. And so I guess the one question that I would statement is, is, is if they are ready to be themselves. Um, And what I mean by that, this one is, uh, this one's always tough. I feel like there's never enough time where I'm just, um, I, I feel like, because society is as a whole they they tell us that you know this is what this is what it means to be successful this is what it means to be great which typically um results in you know having that that large bank account having that salary having you know all of this tip top always happy everything is great rainbows unicorns and leprechauns all of those wonderful things are happening all day long but this book just, it changes the the perspective, right? And I guess no pun intended there, maybe it is, <laughs> where it's, there are other forms of being great. And so if you are okay and in, in asking yourself, like, am I okay with being who I am as I am? And that doesn't mean that you are settling for less. It doesn't mean that you aren't trying to, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you aren't ambitious, but really just, am I okay being who I am as I am? I think that that's a good question to ask before reading the book. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's a good one. Well, because I know, I don't want to steal from the question, but I know I've, I've been challenged with that where many times I would say no. Mm-hmm. And then I would have to do that, that, that self-evaluation of that, you know, asking the five levels of why, and mm-hmm. then trying to dig in and figure it out. And it just, it turned out that it was just self-esteem issue. Yes. And a comparison issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, I, I hear that so many times I've, I've done that actually a couple of times, the five whys and a resiliency workshop and just about every time when I, when I ask like, what is the root? What is the root? Why they go back to the the self-esteem and um, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that being like the root. If, if you know, that's the root. Cause my book focuses on self-worth versus self-esteem. So mm. I differentiate between the two, them not being the same um, which is why it's good to know, like, am I, am I okay with, with who I am as I am? Because just thinking about that, whether or not you have an answer that you are satisfied with, the book really really does walk you through points in order to help you get there. Like there's questions at the end of each chapter, and it really is to help you get to that point. 
where you start to find different ways to be able to see your value um, different than self-esteem and then figuring out how to how to make that come to pass. That's unbelievable. Well, I I hope and my desire is for everybody that's listening to purchase a copy of your book. We will have all the 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 contact information for you, the way you can go buy the book. Um, other than that, how can we support you? Oh gosh, um, I need to work on my marketing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, um, if uh, just supporting me, I, I feel like if if anything that I've shared has been helpful, knowing that is always helpful for me. And honestly, if it wasn't helpful, even knowing that is also a support. Like if, and I know that's like, that's like a weird ask, but I am a feedback person. And um, that's, that's the way I, I, I feel like I gain support is knowing what's working and what's not working <laughs> because that's going to make me better at what I do. So yeah, please reach out to me and contact me if something was helpful or if you're wanting more information on something uh, that is a, a really big support. What platforms, social media, I know we talked about earlier, where are you most active that people can find you? LinkedIn, hands down, is where That's I'm what most I was active. Thinking. Yeah, I mean, I have an account on Instagram and I have a page on Facebook, but I'm not even... <laughs> It's like we talked about before. You got to focus your effort somewhere. There's too much. Oh, it's it's mind to say. Oh, we got to do this and algorithm that, and oh, I got to do TikTok as well. Oh my gosh! (laughs) Well, everybody, go to LinkedIn Um, again. I'll have all the information in there. Follow her. She puts up great information, great articles, and then you can reach out to her directly. That's how I did it, and it worked. Yeah, here we are today. Thank you, Jeff, so much for the opportunity to be able to be a guest on your podcast and the opportunity to share a little bit about my book and what I do. I really appreciate it. It was all my pleasure. And I know that the audience got a lot. So hang on real tight. Everybody else, thank you. It's Lapora Lindsay, and you guys have a great day.